Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. But the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Fussing. And we want to thank you for tuning in to this Friday follow-up episode of Truth and Justice. And this week, we'll be following up on episode 254, Elnora. The Elnora episode didn't cover many facts about the case. In fact, it didn't cover anything about the case at all. That's exactly right. The purpose of episode 254 was intended to solely be only about Elnora as a person. My promise to her family and her friends was that episode 254 would not talk about the case, it would not talk about the suspects, it was merely an opportunity for us to get to know and learn who Elnora Griffin actually was. And I think we did a successful job of doing that. I know at least it was a humbling experience for me to learn more about the woman that we've been talking about for the last nine months. And there was no way that we could finish season two of Truth and Justice without at least taking one episode to simply talk about Elnora. Right, so after a quick break for the ad, we're going to get right into the listener follow-up. Our first sponsor today is Becky Ruff's Faith and Fitness. Now this is no secret, you all know that Becky Ruff is in fact my wife. But Becky wanted to sponsor part of the show to let you guys know about a great new opportunity with Beachbody. And that new product is the All Access On Demand Challenge Pack. Very quickly, what this is, for any of you who like to work out or are wanting to start working out, any at-home program that you buy is going to cost upwards of $100. And Beachbody has been creating these at-home workouts for years and years and years. I'm still a big fan of Sean T's hip-hop abs. Some people like the old-school hip-hop abs, and some people love P90X or Insanity or Country Heat or Sean T's Size. The 21-Day Fix, the list goes on and on and on. But this month, Beachbody has launched a new special deal, and that is the all-access on-demand challenge pack. And this is the best workout deal I have ever seen. Up until the 27th of February this month, for $199, you'll get two things. Number one is the all-access on-demand package. 
And what that means is that through your smartphone, tablet, Apple TV, Roku, computer, any device that connects to the internet, you'll have access to every single program that Beachbody has ever released. You want to check out Mike's favorite hip-hop abs? Or maybe you want to do P90X or Insanity Max 30, Hammer and Chisel, the list just goes on and on. You have access to every single program Beachbody has ever created and every program they're going to create in the future. And for that $199, you get access to all these programs that each one costs over $100 in itself, and you get a 30-day supply of Shakeology. Love me some vanilla Shakeology. I'm more of a fan of the chocolate. Becky really likes the cafe latte. There's lots of flavors to choose from, and Shakeology is jam-packed full of superfoods, probiotics. It's the healthiest meal you'll have throughout your day. So for $199, you get a year-long pass to Beachbody's all-access on-demand, featuring every program Beachbody has ever created and every program they're going to create in the next year. And you also get a 30-day supply of Shakeology. For more information, you can do one of two things. Either email Becky directly at becky at beckysfaithandfitness.com or you can like her Facebook page, Becky Ruff Faith and Fitness, and message her through there. And the beautiful part about Becky being a Beachbody coach is that when you get these programs and this nutrition system, you're not left hanging. Becky will put you into accountability groups, she'll help coach you, she'll work with you to make sure that you get the results that you're looking for. So again, you can email Becky at Becky at Becky's Faith and Fitness.com or like her Facebook page and message her through there at Becky Ruff Faith and Fitness. All right, Bob, in episode 254, there were literally zero facts about the case, but it was still very heartfelt and powerful, and it led to a lot of emails like this one from Brittany Swain. Brittany writes, thank you. This episode just proves why your podcast is my absolute favorite. You not only gave Elnora a voice, but you made her come alive in a way no other podcast has done for a victim. I literally cried the entire episode. Thank you for not only doing what you are doing for the wrongfully convicted, but what you are doing for the family and friends of the victims. Thank you for being real. Keep up the amazing work, Bob and team. You guys rock. Okay, well, first of all, I really appreciate that email, Brittany. And I also want to say that I really appreciate all of the emails that we've gotten that were very similar to that. Episodes like this are tough for us to produce sometimes, because while the focus of the work we're doing is to bring truth and justice, that work is not possible without maintaining an audience, which means we do have to have some level of entertainment involved as well. So whenever we put out an episode like this that doesn't have a lot of meat and potatoes about the case, a lot of people tend to lose interest. But we did get a few emails and tweets and Facebook messages letting us know that they didn't appreciate there not being anything about the case in that episode. But what you're always going to get from me is the real me. And it was very, very important to me that we at least take one week, one episode, and just try to bring Elnora to life. And part of that is because I'm learning as we go. And it's a mistake that we will not be making in Season 3, which is going to start next week. Okay, Bob, this next email from Kathleen Levy isn't necessarily about this episode, but it is relevant to the case. Kathleen writes, Hey there, Bob and Mike. Okay, so this is driving me crazy. I read over the autopsy report on Elnora and the ME testimony, and in the autopsy report, it says only the right carotid and jugulars were cut, but the ME testified that both carotid arteries were cut. Now that could have been a mistake, but still, that's a pretty big mistake to make in court. Thanks, Kathleen. And that's something that I hadn't noticed before, but you are in fact right. There is a discrepancy there. 
I don't know that it makes a huge difference in things, but I went back to try to figure out which of the two statements was correct, and I believe personally that both carotid arteries were in fact cut. While the ME's written report says that only the right side jugular and carotid were cut, I have also had the unfortunate experience of viewing all the autopsy photos, and I can tell you with 99.9% assurity that both carotid arteries were in fact cut, and the trial testimony is the one that is in fact accurate, and I'll just leave it at that. All right, Bob, this last email is not necessarily about the episode, so to speak, but I think it should be addressed. Sean writes, Hi, Bob and Mike. I'm a loyal listener and have listened to all of your podcasts. I donate every month because I believe in what you're doing. I would love to meet you both someday and give you a big hug on behalf of all of us out here who are moved to do something and get off the couch. I do have a bit of feedback, though. The commercials are getting really frustrating. I get that you need to fundraise. But the commercial time for each podcast has increased tenfold, it feels like, on the last couple of months. I listen to many podcasts, and they all have commercials, but this podcast definitely more than most. Is there anything we can do about that? Keep up the good work, Sean. Well, first of all, thank you, Sean, for putting that in a nice, respectful way, unlike some of the other messages we've got that says, what's with all the commercials? For the record, those are actually my favorite. You do enjoy some hate mail. Love it. But since you put it in a nice way, I do want to actually address this. First of all, this past episode, Mike and I were well aware that the ad-to-content ratio was not good. It was actually a very big concern of ours before we released the episode. So let me first talk about what happened this week. For starters, we have contracts with these advertisers, right? So the ads you heard in this week's episode were already bought and paid for, and we had no choice but to produce the ads. And our typical ad format is to have two or three ads per episode. And I'll get into in a minute why we have to do that. So for this week's episode, we had two ads that we had to read. And unfortunately, the episode ended up way shorter than it was intended to be. We were expecting a 45-minute to hour-long episode. So having two two two-minute ads during a 45-minute episode is no big deal. It's about standard. But there were a couple of things that happened. Number one, as I mentioned on the episode, Kubia Jackson had promised me that she was going to come on the show and give an interview. And I spent some time speaking with her on the phone off the air prior to that, and we had figured that we were going to have a 15 to 20 minute interview with Kubia. So we wrote our outline for the episode to account for a 15 to 20 minute from Kubia to come in. But then when it came time to record the episode, Kubia was nowhere to be found. We were getting sent straight to voicemail every time we called her when she told us to call her. So we found out at the very last minute that we had no Kubia call. And there was also another member of Elnor's family that said they might come on the air and then also change their mind at the last minute. So we were left struggling trying to come up with content so that we could still accomplish our goal of showing you all who Elnor Griffin really was. And as you heard, we didn't have a lot to work with. But we did spitball some other ideas. But the other side of that is that I woke up with laryngitis. At 5 in the morning, I actually had no voice. After doing some of Becky's home remedies and not speaking for four or five hours, I was able to get out enough voice to just get the episode put together. And by the time we got to the end of what you heard, I had some more ideas to continue on, but at that point, I was losing my voice again, and every word I spoke was giving me excruciating pain. So we had to just call it where it was. And on top of that, what added to the bad ratio of ads to content was... And this is a little insight into how this business works. And if you guys aren't interested in this, just skip forward about two minutes and we'll be past all this. But for those of you that are interested, the way a lot of these advertisers work is they buy one ad spot and it's called a test ad. So they want to see how well it's going to perform to see if the listeners are going to actually purchase their products, go to their website or whatever. 
So in these test spots, the ads are typically longer than a normal one because it's important for us to really sell the product so that you guys go and purchase the product or go download an audiobook from Audible or whatever the case may be so that then they'll purchase a longer campaign. Both ads in this week's episode were test ads, which means on top of everything else, they were longer than normal ads. So at the end of the day, the series of unfortunate events with this episode led to that bad ratio, and we do apologize for it, and again, we were aware of it. When we were finished up editing, Mike and I were devastated that we had a 25-minute episode, because we knew four or five minutes of that was advertising. Sorry, guys. You should apologize. You're the producer, and it's all your fault. Everything's always my fault. Right. So now moving on to the rest of your kind of questions there. First of all, why is it necessary? Well, we have a unique operation here. A lot of the podcasts that you're listening to are people that are doing this as a hobby. They have other full-time jobs to create income to support their families and or they don't have a lot of overhead. A good example of that is one of my favorite podcasts, Sword and Scale. It's a great podcast. He produces the podcast by himself. He does great work. You don't hear a lot of ads on that podcast. And part of the reason for that is because Sword and Scale has a Patreon page that is drawing in over $20,000 a month. Damn! I know. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently Mike was not aware of that. (laughs) But the nuts and bolts about what we do here is we have actually quite a bit of overhead. Number one, I have a full-time employee. This is also my full-time job. And there's also a lot of just plain overhead that comes with this business. My job is not to just sit and research things on a computer, and I'm not knocking anybody for doing that. Those make some great podcasts. But in order for me to do my job, I have to travel and interview people and purchase new equipment all the time. You don't hear about it on the podcast every week, but I have to travel to Texas for our current cases at least once a month. And every one of those trips ends up costing around $2,000. So that's just part of the cost of doing business for us that a lot of other podcasts don't have. So with all that being said, we have a couple of options in order to keep us afloat and keep the operation going. We could charge our clients for our services, which I will never do. One of the big reasons that I left the fire department to do this work is it was important to me to help people that did not have the funds to help themselves. So because of that, we'll never, ever charge any of the people that we're working for. Another option is to charge all of you to listen to the podcast, which I also will never do. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want the largest audience possible because the more people listening to a crowdsourced investigation like this, the more help we need and the more resources we have to help our client. And by putting the podcast behind a paywall, our numbers are guaranteed to drop dramatically. And so the third option is to ask for donations, which we do have a Patreon page, but you almost never hear me talk about it. And that's because I'm extremely uncomfortable asking for money. My mindset is I'd rather go out and earn the money than ask people to give it to me. And I know a lot of podcasts operate that way, but it just makes me uncomfortable. So it's something that's there. If someone seeks it out, they can go to the Patreon page and make a monthly donation. But I don't like talking about it or harping on it every week. So the last option is exactly what we do. You get to download a free podcast. The people we're helping get our help for free. We cover the cost of doing the show by putting in two or three advertisements into each episode. And the downside for you is you have to listen to two or three advertisements in order for all of this to work. So I do apologize for all the business talk for those of you who don't want to listen. I did warn you, hopefully if you skipped ahead, you're just coming back in right now. But that's the answer to your question. That's why the ads are taking up so much of the episode. And in a normal episode, it really shouldn't be a big deal. At maximum, we'll have three ads. They're usually about two minutes long, and a typical episode is 45 minutes or so. 
And unfortunately, like I said, it's just something that we have to do in order to keep ourselves afloat. So thank you, Sean, for the email and giving me the opportunity to explain that to everyone. $20,000 a month? Yeah, people really like Mike. Apparently not. We're not getting $20,000 a month. No, Mike, not you, Mike. The host of Sword and Scale's name is also Mike. So not me then. Right, the other Mike. All right, Bob, next is Facebook and Twitter. Just like I mentioned earlier, most of our Facebook messages look like these two. Steph Spratt posts, I really enjoyed learning more about Elnora's life. Rest in peace. And Celinda Mills says, Hey there, Fireman Bob. Get well soon. Smiley face emoji. Yep, that's pretty much what our news feeds were full of. And thank you all for all those messages, but there's really nothing for me to say about them on here. And in the world of Twitter, Andrew tweets, Guess what, at Truth Justice Pod? I'm thinking about growing a truth and justice-inspired beard. Only it's multicolored. Laugh out loud. I want pictures, Andrew. And lastly, Kira tweets, Not a major question. Just can't remember if it was ever mentioned how old Ed was when all this happened. Ed was 26 years old at the time of the murder, and he was 31 years old when he was convicted. All right, that's it for social media this week. Thanks for all the questions. And now we're going to take a break for another ad. And then we'll get into the phone calls. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. For the first caller of the night, I am on the air with someone who I've actually met on my last trip to Texas. Uh, this is Ellie from Tyler, Texas. How you doing tonight, Ellie? Hi, Bob. I can't believe I got through. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you did. How that have you been? That is amazing. I've been okay. I've been fine. Thank you. I just wanted to talk about the Eleanor episode, your last podcast. It was amazing. I was crying like a baby at work. <laughs> and I just want to thank you guys for what you're doing. Sometimes we do forget about the victims. You know, we tend to do that, but you don't forget about anybody. And meeting you in person really showed me what kind of person you are. You have that in you. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ellie. That's really sweet of you to call in. And it was indeed great to meet you. And we'll have to all get together again next time we're down in Texas. I would love to. Next time, Stanley. That sounds great. Well, thanks for calling in, Ellie. It was great to hear from you. Not a problem. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'm on the air now with Mary from Phoenix. How are you doing tonight, Mary? I'm doing great, thanks. So, uh, Mike says that you were very moved by the victim statements in Elnora's case. 
Yes, I was. And uh, I thought that um, they were well-written and well-phrased and that they certainly moved me. And it occurred to me that it probably influenced the judge when it came to sentencing. Um, and, that, and that was fine. And then as the day wore on, I got to feeling more and more upset, I guess, and then a little tick that nobody in Elnora's family or her friends wanted to come on the show and say pretty much the same thing that they had said in their impact statements, that they basically couldn't give you the time of day. And so my question for you is, am I horrendously out of line here and being very judgmental, or, or have you had other folks with the same reaction? I just felt let down that they did not want to talk on your show. I think it's somewhere between there. I don't think that you're being judgmental, and it is extremely frustrating for me, too. I can also understand why, and, you know, I've never been in this situation, and I'm dealing with kind of the same thing in our next case. I'm trying to talk to some of the victim's family, and they're just not interested, and think back Mm. to, like, Serial and Hayes' family. It's really opening up a lot of old wounds for them. Now, the one family member that I have communicated with was Elnora's grandmother, Mm -hmm. Renisha, and we communicated quite a bit. We were messaging back and forth about a month back, and, you know, I I talked to her a little bit, and she was open. She was obviously very close with her her grandmother. Her grandmother raised her when she had cancer. She at first said, well, this is, you're just bringing up a lot of very old wounds, and I just, I don't think I want to talk about it. Let me think about it. And I thought that would be the last Mm. I would ever hear from her. A few days later, she messaged me back and said, okay, um, can you tell me who you represent and you know who you're working for? And I explained to her that I don't mm-hmm. represent anyone. I, I don't represent Ed Eights. I'm not an attorney that I represent the, the truth in the matter. And that's why I've yeah. gotten this far into the case. And then I had to like to drop the bomb on her, right? Which is, by the way, I do this investigation on a podcast. I sent her this long message saying you know, that it is being broadcast. And I believe that some of the family, probably the kids, did know this, uh, but she did not. And so I, I sent her this long message saying, you know, it's on a podcast, and this is the reason why. It's not to exploit, but we're actually getting all these people from around the world to help to find the truth. And then I thought that would be it. And then like five days later, she said, okay, I'd like to talk to you. I just, I need some time. Let me just really think about it. And then I hoped when I was in Texas, I was going to meet with her. And then she told me it was obvious that she had contacted other members of the family. She had said something along the lines of, if other members of my family are wrong, then I hope that you get Mr. AIDS out of prison and I hope you find the truth. And if they're right, then I want to have a forgiving spirit, but I just don't want to be involved. Renisha seemed like an incredibly just nice human being. And I think that for her, she was just really struggling with wanting to be a part of this, but at the same time, not wanting to almost betray her grandmother because, you know, we're the the focus of the podcast has been working on getting Ed Eights out of prison, who for 18 years, she has believed, and so has the family, is the one that killed their mother. It, it was tough. And then with Kubia, Kubia was really frustrating because I called Kubia earlier last week. I talked to her for a little while and she was very nice. And she talked to me about Elnora a little bit. And she's like, yes, I'm perfectly willing to do that. We scheduled a time for me to call her. And then it was straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail, straight to voicemail, leaving messages for days. And unfortunately, that's part of the reason why it was such a short episode. I had blocked in 15 minutes for that call, and it was on the last day, it just it wasn't going to happen. It was too late, and I didn't have a voice to go any further. But I, I don't think you're being overly judgmental. I, like I said, I think it's somewhere in the middle. It's, it's hard for all of us to understand why they wouldn't want to be involved. I mean, even Johnny. 
I talked to Johnny for hours, but when I called her mm-hmm. and said, do you want to sit down and do a formal, you know, recording over the phone to talk about Elnora? She's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And I think it had less to do with the case and Elnora and had more to do with, wait, what? I don't want to be re- like, because, you know, when I'm sitting in front of her, she's comfortable, but it was like, I'm talking on a phone and it's going where she doesn't quite understand what a podcast is. So she didn't want anything to do with it. But it is, it's really frustrating. I really had hopes for that episode to be uh, us hearing a lot just about Elnora from her family members. But fortunately, we did have those victim impact statements. So at least we had that perspective. And regarding what you said about the influencing the judge's decision, it actually wasn't the judge. The jury sentenced Ed. So even more so, I think that probably influenced them. It, it certainly impacted me and influenced me. And if I'd been a juror, I would certainly have gone, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's been 18 years. And you're absolutely right that I've never been in this situation, neither of you. And it's hard to know how people are. But I would have thought that having written what they wrote, they would have wanted to say somewhat the same thing in a more public forum. But I guess I'm wrong. And there's a little bit more to that, too. So my promise to all of the family when I reached out to them was that this episode was about Elnora and it was not about her case. It was about Elnora as a person. So that was quite clear. Yes. Right. And so because of that, I didn't read their entire impact statements. I took sections out of them. There actually was more to them that I didn't I didn't want to read because I didn't want to make it about Ed or about the case. I want to be about her. But what the jury mm. heard even more was, you know, th- those statements you just read followed with and that man took that away from me. And because of him. I no longer have my family anymore and things like I hope it was you know it's something I struggled with ethically but I thought that that was my promise that it wasn't about the case it wasn't about trying to protect against nasty things they said about Ed it was just because I didn't want it to be about Ed so the jury heard everything that you heard and them all pointing the finger and saying the reason that we don't have our wonderful mother sister daughter uh, grandmother is because of that man sitting right there and they were very quick to send him away for the rest of his life I wonder if any of the family are having genuine second thoughts about Ed being the person who uh, who killed El- Elnora, and that's part of the reason why they didn't want to come on. I mean, I'm just guessing here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. See, the, the thing is, I don't know if they're listening. According to Smith County, when I filed my open records request, there's laws about them turning over, say, like photos that depict the victim in them, crime scene mm-hmm. photos. And so they said, which I, which I, ha- I guess I had to believe them, that they contacted the family and said, this guy's investigating, doing a podcast about this, and he wants these pictures. Are you okay with us giving the pictures? And they said no. And I assume that that actually happened. Uh, I have no record of it, yeah. but, but they wrote that into their, their motion to the attorney general, and I don't think they'd mess around with that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The family, if they, they made that call, all they knew was the DA's office, who was the good guy, right? That found the guy yeah. that killed my grandmother, my mother, my sister, my, my daughter, is calling me and telling me there's a bad guy that is trying to exploit your grandmother on a podcast. That may lead more to it. Now, what my hope would be that they went and listened to see what was being talked about. If they did, then I don't see how they couldn't have doubts. I mean, David Dobbs himself, I feel, has doubts after our meeting of Ed's guilt. You know, he's the man that prosecuted him. So I would think that right. if they listened, they would have to see that this isn't just about getting a quote guilty man out of prison. It's about about righting a wrong because Ed Ates is not the man that killed their family member. Well, I felt that you were most gracious on the uh, episode. And the more, the more steamed up I got about it, the more I realized how good you were at uh, keeping your cool. So that was good. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And, and Mary, it was great to hear yeah. you. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, thank you for answering my question. I do appreciate the time you take. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great night. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. For our last call of the night, I'm on the air with Megan from Pennsylvania. How are you doing tonight, Megan? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So Mike says you want to talk about Detective Waller's report. Yes. It's just been something that's been bugging me for the last couple of weeks, that when you were doing the read-through, you had mentioned that Johnny, when she had to, when she came to check on Elnora, she had to unlock the front door. And that is what she said in her police statement. And it just really bugged me because then I thought, how did the killer leave? And if they left and they locked the door, that meant that they had a key. And if they didn't leave from the door, was there a window open? Was there any pictures taken outside of the window that was open? Was there any blood anywhere to a window? Because you would think that there would be some sort of blood tracks. It just was really bugging me. So I was wondering if you had any insight. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Unfortunately, the well, for fortunately, the answer is very simple, and unfortunately, it doesn't do anything for us as far as finding some glaring clue. Uh, and so, the, and the simple issue is these were not deadbolts; they were uh, just normal doorknobs. So they're the type. If I don't know if you're familiar with them, that you can just twist the knob on the inside to lock it, and then just pull it closed behind you. Right. So they were they were definitely locked. The killer very easily could have just twisted the knob and just pulled the door shut behind them to lock the door when they left. Right. Yeah, I guess that's just a, a detail that's interesting that they would go to the trouble of locking the door. I mean, I guess it makes sense if they went through the trouble of locking the window with the towel and all of that stuff, too. What I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around is there was an obvious attempt at concealing the crime scene. Uh, so by the, by the towel over the window and the doors being closed uh, and the lights being off and the car being moved, obviously someone didn't want her body to be discovered. But it's again, it, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, it, none of that was permanent concealment. You know, there, it wasn't set up so that someone would walk into her trailer and Elnora was gone and they wonder what happened to her. I wonder if she ran away. I mean, eventually they knew someone's going to go into that trailer and they're going to find her and they're dead. That's one thing that's always bugged me is why, what was the purpose in slowing down the time it took before her body was found? 
Right. And it wouldn't be some stranger that murders someone at random is not going to take the time to do all of that stuff because they're not going to have any real connection to the person. So why does it matter when they get found? Exactly. Yeah. If it was just some random stranger that just went into her house and killed her and left, I mean, they wouldn't care if her body was found two minutes later because they would be gone and no one knew they were there. I mean, it's, it's very obvious that it was someone that she knew. I think that most likely it's someone who had a known relationship to her and that was expected to be there for them to go through all of the chaos that happened after Elnor was killed to try to conceal the crime scene. It's obvious to me that whoever it was thought someone would know that they had been there. Right. Just a, one more quick question. Was there any remorse on the body? Like, was it covered up? Or I know that she was exposed mainly, but um, I know there was a pillow. Was that on top of her or under her? It was under her. So there, I didn't see any signs of what, what we call undoing or, you know, signs of remorse where, you know, her she was laying there completely nude. And there was nothing covering her up. And the pillow was underneath her. And I actually, now that I've seen more photos and have seen what the floor looked like after the body was moved, and we can see the blood pattern, my theory is that that pillow that Elnor was trying to cover herself up with the pillow as she was running away. It's the only thing that makes sense to me is how it got under her in the middle of her living room right. floor. You know, it, it, I, don't, I don't see it just laying there on the floor and her falling and just happening to land right on it. I think that she was clutching that pillow, trying to cover herself up, most likely. Right. Okay, well, that's all I had. Thank you so much for answering my question. You're welcome. Thank you so much for calling in. It was great to hear from you. Yeah. Okay, that's all the time we have today for calls. We want to thank everyone who took the time to call in today. And also, we want to make an announcement that we're going to be making a change to the call-ins. We originally set up the follow-up call-ins to happen during the daytime on Wednesdays. But we thought we'd move it to night so we would get more calls coming in. The nighttime calls really makes it a little more difficult for our production schedule. And as it turns out, we get about the same amount of calls no matter what time of day we do them. Because there's so many listeners from so many different time zones. So I know a lot of you really do like the 7 p.m. Eastern Time calls. But at least for now, we're going to stop doing that. And from this point forward, starting next week on Wednesday, February 22nd, we're going to be taking calls for next week's Friday follow-up at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So remember, next week on Wednesday, we're going to be taking calls at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And also, I want to make sure all of you tune in to Sunday's episode. This Sunday's episode is the Season 2 finale, and we will be wrapping up Ed's case. It's going to be long, pack a lunch. We're going to hear from Ed's wife, Kim, his daughter, Kyra, we're going to hear from his attorney, Allison, and a little bit from Ed himself. Also, this Sunday, I will be giving my final theory on the case. So tune in Sunday morning, and let's finish Season 2 strong. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Mike Bussing. Our logo for the Friday follow-up episodes was created by Amanda Meyer at willowphotoanddesign.com. I want to thank Shane Yoder for creating all of the music for the podcast. And please go check out his website, putthemintasong.com, where he and his team of Nashville musicians will create a custom song for you or your loved one. And also, fellow podcasters out there, Shane is now offering music services to other podcasts. And you can also check that out at putthemintasong.com. 
I want to thank our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. And I also want to thank Chris Brinkley, who is currently revamping our website, which will include transcripts from all the episodes that the Sarahs and Desiree have been transcribing for us. And as always, I want to thank all of you for all of your engagement and support. Stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.